Bob Caradillo out of Westerly, Rhode Island, is a frontline fighter against critical race theory and other indoctrination of our children. Rhode Island Reds sat down with Bob to get his perspective on the issues that face our state and our country today. Join us for this in-depth interview and contact us at roadtored.com, R-H-O-D-E-T-O-R-E-D.com. Bob Caradillo, uh, what is your background? Are you just a concerned father or is there more to it? Well, first, Colin, thanks a lot for having me on. Appreciate the opportunity to get our story out there from down here in Westerly. Um, I, my kids have, have graduated already uh, some time ago. I consider myself a concerned citizen and former parent of Westerly High School students. Right. Where did it all start? I know it kind of snowballed into what it is now, but how did this all begin? Well, back after George Floyd was killed in, in, in May of, uh, of 2020, I got a little curious and I wanted to see if there was any, uh, I wanted to see if uh, what our plans were here in Westerly for the uh, 2021 school year in terms of what they were going to be teaching, if they were going to be teaching any of the elements of critical race theory, which I'm sure we'll get into. But my first thing was to check out the Facebook pages of our superintendent and assistant superintendent, which I did. And um, our assistant superintendent is an ardent Black Lives Matter supporter. I confided that to the school committee chair and she told the assistant superintendent and then two days later, her Facebook page was scrubbed clean of of Black Lives Matter stuff. So, you know, anybody can have whatever they want on their personal Facebook page. It's just the assistant superintendent of curriculum probably shouldn't have a lot of BLM stuff on his or her Facebook page. It just creates the opportunity for for people to to second guess him or her what their motivations might be. So that's where I got all started back in August of 2020. Yeah, and the BLM stuff started as, you know, a Black Lives Matter movement and the message is all right, but what it turned into as you know and probably what you're speaking to is more it's more a political agenda than anything these days, I'd say. Right. It's not a it's not something that is uh for African Americans at all, I would say. I I don't I don't I think it's anything it's the opposite but it's evolved into a very political movement so i get what you're saying as far as um it should be left out of schools i mean you shouldn't be shown bias um i agree and it's just like you know it's one of the one of the one of the methods and i'm sure we'll get into this uh that that's used to divide us you know uh by race you know kid versus kid kid versus parent kid versus country um and that's what it's really evolved into yeah unfortunately um you know all the right intentions and people go along with the message because, you know, they try to make you feel bad for a certain, whether it's race or class or whatever, and you get wrapped into it and it just becomes completely politicized. And everyone's making money off it anyway. It's turned into an industry. So I Yes, the race industry. Right. Yeah. Yep. Manufactured. They're manufacturing. I tell people, uh, uh, you know, they're manufacturing it and people are buying it in bulk. So that's what happens. Um, Judicial Watch got involved. Uh, for those that don't know out there, Judicial Watch is nationwide. They're frontline and fighting a lot of the corruption and hidden documents and things like that in the government that they uh, want to c- uncover. So how did they get involved exactly? Uh, well, they they saw what was going on and, um, you know, they they saw what we were trying to do and what we were up against. And they um, they they do my APRA requests for me and some other things. But they, you know, they're like you said, they're a, they're a, a large group. Uh, they're the largest public records litigator in the country. They're great at what they do. They stand for all that is good, in my opinion. And um, and that's that's kind of the fight that they bring to the table. 
you know, they stick up for what's right. Are they still helping? Are they, um, are you in contact with them still or? Oh yeah. They're, they're still helping me. Certainly. That's great. So I know you're fighting in Westerly. Are there other districts aligning with you guys there? We're, we're starting to, to really grow in terms of, uh, throughout the state of Rhode Island, because Rhode Island is a real hotbed of, of all of this stuff. You know, it seems like it's a, it, it's an easy place for those in power to really get their arms around the entire state because it's of its size or lack thereof. But I can tell you that, you know, this, this whole critical race theory stuff, I know it, it was going prior to uh, the time that I'm going to say, but back in 2019, there was a Senate bill that was introduced in May of 2019, which passed it was Senate Bill 0863, which in effect took all of the curriculum approval power or authority away from local school committees and consolidated into a non-elected body or person, which was the education commissioner, which a short time later became Angelica Infante Green. So that became a disaster. <laughs> absolutely. That was the Trojan that. horse right there. You know, it really was. How did that pass? Where did this this law like what are they thinking when they think let's pass a law that just gives one person control of the entire curriculum? How does this happen? Well, I have a I have one opinion and and, and here it is. Some people that that were in favor of it wanted it to want Rhode Island to be like Massachusetts, wanted to have a centralized curriculum. It may sound good to have everybody singing off the same sheet. What in effect they did was they took the power away from the people. And I say people because the school committees are elected officials and elected by us, the taxpayers. Right. So what, but what they did is they took that power, that curriculum approval power away from the school committees and gave it to a non-elected person who later became Angelica Infante Green. And when you take power away from the people and consolidate it into a non-elected body, that's never good. That's not democracy. So how do we get that back? Do people lobby their local politicians in their towns? How does that how, how does that law get changed back? Can, is that reversible? Well, I think that's a great question. And I've asked that question, too. And it's going to be very, very difficult to do that because now, as you know, we have a Democrat-controlled General Assembly on, in, in both houses, Senate and House, and it's going to be darn near impossible to get those people to vote to give the power back to the local school committee. So I don't really know what we can do, to be honest with you, to try to get that that repealed. Um, there might be some senators and, and representatives that have the guts to stand up for it, like Patricia Morgan probably would, and some others. But um, it's, it's going to be an uphill battle to get 0863 repealed or reversed, for sure. Like you said, it is Democrat-controlled. But some of those videos that you'd sent me, the links to the Rumble video, um, and what you did there for demonstrations. I think something like that at our state house next time they're going to pass a bill might be a pretty effective tool. Who knows? These people that vote these laws, and they, they probably don't know half the stuff they're voting on. You know, we know the incompetence that is in government. So it'd be nice right. to shine a light on them and maybe get the protest um, over at their either homes, personal homes, or their um, the state house where they work. Or Now, the the videos I'm mentioning here, um, for those that don't know, I'm going to put a link to them on the website, roadtored.com, R-H-O-D-E-T-O-R-E-D.com, um, that Bob was at some of these school board meetings, and he really shined a light on what's actually in some of these books, and it was extremely disturbing. I'd seen a couple of pictures before, but I'd never watched the video, and it's just deranged. It's pornographic. It's any young kid can get it in their library. There's access to it. He even mentions... 
you mentioned in the video that you're no prude, but even for someone like you or me, I mean, we're, we're older, we're not even in, you know, elementary school or middle school. And this stuff is just kind of outrageous to even think that this is in our schools now. I'm even younger than you. And it wasn't, if that was not in my school when I was that young. So how's this become acceptable on any level where I get they pass the law that makes the curriculum, but bringing this curriculum in is just a whole nother level of perversion. Right. We have, we have issues with curriculum for sure, but this particular book, gender queer that I talked about at the December 8th meeting is a library book. It is available in the Westerly high school library. And it is also available throughout the state in every high school library, uh, in every district in the state of Rhode Island. So it's very simple for a 14 year old. I guess that's how old you are when you were a freshman to walk into the library and check that book out. So yes, we have curriculum issues. Issues, but we also have this issue on the library side. And, and, and what it is, Colin, it's just it's an extension of, you know, it's another tool in the tool toolbox of these leftist radicals to indoctrinate and control our kids. First, you have the tenets and pillars of critical race theory. OK, then you have and which we'll get into, I'm sure. Then you have the, the implicit teacher bias training that we can talk about as well, which is another way to indoctrinate these kids. And then you have the over-sexualization of these kids, which basically blurs the line between adult and child. It normalizes sex, pleasurable sex at 14 years old, you know, and they, they make it so it's humdrum. So it's everyday stuff. So so there isn't anything that's off limits. There's like I say, there, it blurs the line of safety between adult and child. And I just believe and many, many do that. It's just plain wrong. And I even called it child abuse. It's trash. Uh, and we're oh, taking steps now to get that book out of the system. It's 100% child abuse. I mentioned that on the interview with Roma. I said, uh, Ramona, I said, if I go up to a child in the street playing with his friends and I show him this book, do I get arrested? And she's like, uh, yeah, I'd hope so. Because it's wrong. Anyone, even on its face, it's wrong. It's not even something you have to think about. When you see the images from the video and the link I'm going to post, you'll say, okay, this is wrong. There's no questioning it. It's just dead wrong. You can learn this stuff in college, but according to Ramona and some other people, you can grab this off the shelf at five years old in your school if you really wanted to. And um, it's just not right. And we're glad there's people actually fighting against it. Unfortunately, not too many. We'd like some more people. And that's kind of what our mission is, is to rally the troops. But we're glad you're doing it. Um, that video, when people watch it, I mean, it's obviously you're there for serious reason, but it's actually somewhat funny to an extent because you're you're reading the actual script from the book and it is right. graphic. This is like lines out of porno, not not something you'd see in like a sex novel or some sort of like this is disgusting terminology that they're using. This is very graphic language. And I was I was glad you did it because I've seen people do this before, you know, all across the country. They'll go there and read the excerpts. And I noted in I noted in the video that someone spoke out. I think it was one of the school board members. They spoke out for a quick second and said, Bob, this is a new low to you or something. They were saying yes. you had hit a new low by going to the school board meeting and reading the books that they 
educate children with. And I found that very interesting because you would think the new low is this new curriculum of pushing porno to children, but the push, the person pushing the porno is telling you you've hit a new low. Could you go over that moment for us? Yeah. Well, well, well first of all, you know, Colin, this is, this is not something new that the left does. They are great at accusing others of doing the same things that they, in fact, themselves do. This is how they operate. You know, we know this. So, yeah, that moment was it was surreal because, you know, I never use words that like that. You know, who does? You know, what normal person talks that way? And I gave the uh, disclaimer at the beginning. I said, these are not my words. They're right out of the book. They're the author's words. And um, when I got to a certain point, the school committee chair piped in and said that, as you said, that I had hit a new low. And uh, one of the school committee members in a previous meeting had called myself disgusting and what I did disgusting by naming a teacher who had in fact shamed, singled out and punished and silenced a student for believing politically differently than, than he. So I found it kind of ironic that he called that disgusting yet sticks up for sticks up for them, but doesn't call this piece of trash that I was reading from disgusting. Is that what that was about when she said you hit a new low that you'd mentioned someone's name or no, that was another school committee member oh, that said one. that, but this, this, the school committee chair, um, I, I have a long history with this school committee. I've oh, been I'm speaking sure. to them for over a year and you know, I've told the truth every time, never lied, always speak with fact-based information, some emotion at times, admittedly. Um, but why not? You know, of course. and, um, they don't like what you say, so they throw they throw arrows at you. They don't have any fact-based data with which to come to the table and, and debate honestly with you or intelligently. So they call you a homophobe. They call you a racist. They throw arrows at you. But truthfully, Colin, I don't care. They can yeah. call me whatever they want. How how embarrassed are these school these school board members and these other people when you're reading this content, this disgusting com- content? Out are they like faces turning red? Are they do they show any embarrassment? I noticed in the video some of the maybe teachers or parents. I'm not sure who they were. They were trying to block the images that you right. your friends were posting for the for the camera to see, which are these disturbing you know pornographic images. Do they show embarrassment or what? What, what was up with those those sick puppies? that were trying to block the imagery and all that. Okay, that's a two-parter. The first one is um, the school committee members. We have, there is one school committee member who always sticks up for what is right. And she's not afraid to put herself out there. Uh, Christine Cook, she's a dynamite school committee member. She is right down the middle on things. But this one, she said, was over the line. It doesn't belong in schools. We have another school committee member that later emailed me and said that he doesn't think that it should be in the schools. So the other five, they sit there stone-faced. They never say anything. The school committee chair basically bullies people into her fellow uh, school committee members not to uh, to, to respond to any questions or anything. That's what they're advised legally as well. So they just sit there and they're like, I call them potted plants covering up a water stain. That's what they are. They don't do anything. So I know we have two that don't want the book in. So to my mind, we need two more because there are seven total on the school committee. 
Um, so we're working through the legal channels, through the procedural channels that are set forth by the school committee to get that book taken off the shelf. Now, regarding the the, the people that were trying to cover the signs, the, the, the pictures, those were seven of Westerly Public Schools' finest teachers that were doing that. Um, and, and I say finest in air quotes, um, embarrassing, foolish behavior. One of them was the WTA union head, Colleen Saylor, uh, in what was not her finest hour. Lisa Fazzaro was in there as well, and a couple of other people, five other people. And I found it ironic, again, that if they're so proud of this book and they want it in the library and they want our 14-year-olds to be able to read it, then they're trying to cover it, uh, cover up all the pictures. Now, the union head said that unlike a student who goes in to take the book out, these pictures were thrust upon the teachers and they it wasn't right. That was her explanation for having her people and her herself try to cover those signs. So these people are out there they have That's they make no odd, sense at all. That's such an odd explanation. Yes. They were caught off guard. They've seen these books before. They know right. the topic of discussion. They know what you're upset about. But oh, they were taken off guard and oh it really It was imposed broke. upon them, was her words. Imposed upon so them. So is it not being imposed on the children? Great point. And I, I and my retort to that was in an email, well, what about the critical race theory characteristics that are being imposed on our kids? And the implicit bias training, the, the the coercing, the singling out, the shaming, the yep. threatening of our good teachers with all of this stuff as well. This critical race theory bias training. Yeah, uh, that, that, that's really imposing when you say single out. They single these kids out. They make them feel bad. These teachers have a full union to back them up. They have all sorts of backing. They're not scared to be singled out you know they're up there standing in right. front of the stuff it's crazy that this is the material they're defending but they don't want you to see even a visual not even from across the room they don't want you right. to see it never mind right. up close and personal in a child's face and the other thing too colin there was a picture in that book uh that seemed to depict anyway in my view and one of the pictures is on the video of uh, a pedophilic relationship between a young boy and a man, uh, and if you if you know it, the one I'm talking about, a hundred percent depicts that. Like, there's no getting around it. These people take it to extreme levels. They start, you know, they bring things in, and then it just goes from zero to a hundred. And you're like, how did we get here? And you're you're right. I did I didn't want to. It's I don't even want to say this stuff. It's embarrassing to even say this stuff. And you know, if people are willing like you to willing to go up and read the stuff, God bless you, because I don't even want to be associated with it. I can't believe these people can actually defend it. And these and everyone out there listening, you need to go look at this video that there will be a link to, and you need to see for yourself. It's absolutely, I cannot state enough how absolutely disgraceful this content is for children. For children, you know, maybe a college student, but it's insanity. I mean, I wouldn't even teach it in college. It's all just dumb stuff anyway. It's just pushing a narrative. It's There's nothing educational about it. You're not learning. No, that's anything. the question I asked. I said, yeah. what educational benefit could possibly be derived from a child reading trash like this? Yeah. There is no educational benefit. Nope. All it's it does is, again, it normalizes 
sex and sexual pleasure. And I don't care whether it's whether it's gay sex or heterosexual sex. I don't care right. what kind it is. It's pornography, no matter what way you look at it. Yeah, it, that's the thing. It wouldn't matter what kind of sex it is. Just FYI out there, it is gay sex, but it, it doesn't matter. You wouldn't want anything of the sort. I, uh, it's, it's hard to even imagine, but it's, it's real. We're living in clown world. But um, why are they lying so often? Like every single turn we take, they're just lying. You ask them for this, they lie. Is there CRT in schools? They lie. Well, it's not CRT. It's something else. Why all the lies if it's such great curriculum? Why not just come out and s- spread it to the world? Because they know, in my opinion, that the vast majority of Americans would come out against this because it's wrong, it's evil, it's filthy, and they will do anything, say anything, steamroll anybody, hurt anybody in order to get their agenda passed. And this just isn't just a Rhode Island thing. This is like people that are much, much higher on the food chain than Angelica Infante Green, who was, in my opinion, simply a plant here in in Rhode Island by the federal government. You know, I mean, you've got the Biden administration, uh, you've got Cardona, who's the secretary of education on on a national level. You've got NEASC, the New England Association of Secondary uh, of School, excuse me, of schools and colleges. You've got the Rhode Island Association of School Committees that's involved in this, which we'll get into a little bit with Tim Duffy. So this is a very coordinated, organized effort, in my opinion, to destabilize this country. Uh, It's a shock and awe approach, as you said. You didn't use those words, but shock and awe, meaning they bombard you with things that you cannot defend from all at once. You know, you've got the schools. Uh, you've got the the immigration issues. You've got a myriad of myriad other issues that are attempting to destabilize this country and all of the values that this country has held for uh, the years that it's been in existence. They're trying to break up the family unit. That's one of the tenets of of the BLM movement is to destabilize the the family unit. You know, to make it not normal, and that's what they're doing. They're trying to turn kid against parent, kid against kid kid against country, because one of the things that they can do is once they get all this stuff done, that then you don't have a country anymore. Yep. And this is why we're fighting so hard. In my opinion, just for the record for you and for my listeners out there that might know, I personally believe from the research I've done, this stems back to China and it's all part of a plan to go under a, some form of globalist agenda where whether it's China or whoever, they there's no question, they don't hide it. They have a 2049 superpower plan. They want to replace the United States and they're very good at warfare. And a lot of our money stems back to China, uh, all these BLM groups that there's a lot of companies that are owned by China that somehow connect and filter money through. And we all know everyone's controlled by money and power influence. And I truly believe that we're going to find out one day that this curriculum, these books are somehow linked, maybe indirectly, but by design to some sort of foreign influence. Um, I really do because there's no other explanation unless there's people internal to the United States that want to destroy the United States because these people remember, I don't think they hate the United States. They secretly love the United States because it is the best country. They live in it. They know why it's so great, but they'll sell their souls and they'll do everything they can to get money and power. So whether that's selling out to China, they don't care about your children. As long as it's 
making them some sort of money. They're good with it. So that's my opinion. Do, do you have an opinion on where this goes or what this traces back to as a bigger picture? Because this couldn't have just come out of nowhere. It didn't come out of some university. Right. There's got to be some more, something else to it. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree with, with, with most of the points that, that you're making here on this, you know, except for, the, for one. And I'll tell you that I think these people, a lot of them do hate this country. Okay. I really do. I think the Joe Bidens of the world, I think a lot of these progressive, you cannot tell me Angelic, uh, and, um, AOC and the squad they, that they love this country. They love what this country can do for them. That's what they love. Yep. They're trying to tear it apart. You had Elon Omar uh, in Somalia um, who was given the gift of a lifetime to come to America and be educated here. And then what does she do? She starts trying to tear it down. You know, she's one, she would could have been a shining example of what this country can do for somebody. You come from abject poverty in Somalia to a United States uh, congresswoman from the state of Minnesota, yet she wants to tear spend her time tearing this country down. In my opinion, the very existence of our country is at stake here. And they're using, sadly, uh, our kids as political pawns and our good teachers as political pawns in this whole thing, showing that they don't care about anyone but themselves. They have a goal. They, they think they're going to get rich. They think they're going to have power. Uh, and they're doing it at the expense of us and our kids. That's what enrages so many of us, you included, I know, um, is that they're using us to gain power and, and influence. They think they're going to get influence anyway. So that's why we stand up and we fight and we don't care what we're called. And we come ready for battle based on fact. And we bring our we bring all the emotion and fact that we can to every single meeting, every letter we write, every interview we do, every speaking engagement we do to try and educate people and get people off the couch and get them stopped to stop being afraid to speak out. And I tell people all the time, the consequences of not speaking out are so much greater than speaking out. If I lose my job, I'll get another job yep. somehow. But if we lose our country and we lose our kids, we're not getting them back. The only thing that makes me more mad than all the stuff being pushed on us is the people that are standing by and doing nothing and they're sitting on the couch it's making it easy for them because we wonder, how does this happen? We're Americans. We used to fight against this stuff. How is all of this happening so easily? And it's because of how they've created society into this keyboard warrior. Stay on your phone. Stay on your devices. Look at your TV. Be influenced by everything around you. And don't show up to events. Don't do anything for your society. And everyone's so complacent that they're walking right in the door. We're, we're open to the door for them. They're walking right in and they're taking your taking everything from you. They're taking your country and you don't even realize it until it's too late. And um, we really do need to get on our own people more and say, hey, wake up, wake the F up because it's, it's getting agree. bad. You know, um, I have a Facebook group, uh, if you don't mind me mentioning it. It's oh, called please, Westerly please Residents Against Indoctrination. Yeah. And we've got 650 something people in it. We started it last April. And I have to say, you know, we've got a great cross-section of people in that group from people that are older like myself, 
I'm in my late 50s, to people older than me, to parents. And now we're getting a, a large influx of young parents and parents-to-be into the group because we've started to become successful at educating people as to what is really going on in our schools and in our country. And we now are having a, uh, a good representation uh, with me at school committee meetings. Um, other people get up to speak. It isn't just me anymore. I've had a core group of about 10 people uh, since this whole thing started who are there with me every single uh, every single meeting. But now more and more people are really realizing that, hey, you know what? These people are telling the truth. My kid's coming home and telling me stuff that's going on. I've got to get involved here. I can't sit on the couch anymore. I don't care if I'm going to be in the cool parent group or not anymore. My kid's more important to me than uh, who, I, who my dinner partners are on Saturday evenings, you know? Yeah, so that, that's, that's really a good thing. So we're starting to really, I think, reach people in a way that we weren't able to do before. And I think the critical race theory stuff, which I hope we'll get into a little bit more, but this uh, this pornography stuff is, is easier for people to understand. The critical race theory tenets and pillars are a little drier for some people, and they're not as easy for people to digest. Yeah, um, I was gonna. But I was gonna be my next if thing. You if you pour want. in someone's face, they know what it is. Yeah. You know? If you want to go into that, that was gonna be one of my questions here. Could you tell us some of the book names, some of the storylines, some of the narratives in these books, and why they're so damaging to young children? Yeah, sure. I mean, we have um, we have the 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 characteristics of critical race theory. Now, you said this correctly before. You, if you go in there and you say, and they've done it to me, you're teaching critical race theory. The superintendent, Mark Garso, will say, and he said it to me before, thinks I'm stupid. We're not teaching that. Well, no, there is no class that says, you know, in, in, in room 213, critical race theory in this in this room. What they right. do is it's 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 wormed in and woven into the curriculum. And I'll give you an example. Grades 9 through 12, English language arts, ELA curriculum at Westerly High School is based on a book. And I'm going to show you. I don't know if you can see this. Yep. It's Odell Education, owned and operated by the Gates Foundation, Bill Gates. Okay? Oh, yeah. Odell, I've heard. Yep. And, and, and so many of the stories that are in these books talk about white oppression, white buffoonery. Do they mention I'm Bill sorry? Gates as the oppressor? Is he like the... <laughs> <laughs> Is he the lead oppressor? <laughs> right, right. Uh, so that's the stories and the narratives are in these books all show the white person as bad. They show the country, depict the country as bad. They show the white people as uh, as either evil or buffoons and people of color as the heroes always and as the victims. Now, this is bad for not only white people, but it's bad for everybody. One of the tenets of critical race theory will say that because of the, the the inherent racism in all of our institutions, a kid of color is never going to get ahead because the white person is always going to hold him or her down. So don't even bother. We're going to engineer, artificially engineer an outcome for you so you can come out ahead. So in other words, they're telling this person of color that you can't make it on your own. You don't have what it takes to make it which is such a lie and it's such poison to tell a black kid that they can't make it. And conversely, to tell a white kid that the only reason they've made it is because they're white. It takes hard work and dedication and grit and everything, all of, all of those characteristics out of the equation and it boils it down to just one thing, it, and that's race and it's wrong. 
it's so disgusting that they would harp on that when the complete opposite is true. When I was raised, these kids were told you can be anything. Um, Martin Luther King had a dream. Uh, you could be the president of the United States. And then lo and behold, we have Barack Obama. And there is, there was a gigantic majority of white Americans voting for Barack Obama, which completely shuts down the entire narrative. Two-term president, um, all these successful African-Americans, you know, Ben Carson, you could just go on naming person after person. But um, we had the exact opposite narrative when I grew up. And I really believe that that was something that's ingrained in you to an extent. When you're a child and you play these sports and you get this team ethic and and you're working with others and you're you're building each other up, you feel like you could be anything at that young age. But when you're told you will never be anything and it's because of that person right next to you, that's clearly a game plan for division. How is it anything other than divisive? Well, the guy that they that that these people follow and worship, and I can't even call him a doctor, Ibram X. Kendi is yep. the father of this whole thing. He's the biggest racist of them all. He calls himself an anti-racist. What anti-racism means, as you know, it's it's racism against white people. Yeah, that's what it is. And I'm not here to say uh, to say that any any uh, racial group should be favored over another. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying race should not be a factor. You have to be judged on how good you are and what ability you have and how much grit and determination and hard work you bring to the table. This smacks in the face of that. Dr. King. I'm I'm sure is rolling over in his grave right now, embarrassed and sad over what is going on right now. He wouldn't even be accepted by these people today. No, they've openly come out and said he's wrong. He's wrong on this, that, and the other thing. It's like, what? Everything that man said was based on constitutional, uh, biblical, everything that's preached Everything that's holy in this land is what he was preaching. I mean, this nation was born on the Bible for for all intents and purposes, and they kind of mirrored the Bible in a lot of ways, like uh, all men are created equal. And people don't understand that that was a promise. It wasn't at that time that we were going to snap our fingers and make everyone equal. That was a promise made by the Constitution. And in time, that promise came true. And there's always going to be inequities. That's life. You, you know, these kids have to be taught the hardships of life. But as you said, you have to work hard. You have to be, you have to be told that you have to work hard. If you're told, don't bother working hard, don't bother doing this or that, you're going to create a shit society. You're just going to have right. a bunch of lazy kids. And by the way, that's what we're seeing. Go out and see some young worker nowadays. You go to, I, like, I have this funny story. I went to Chipotle the other day, and I asked a kid to do something simple. I was like, hey, uh, sorry, can I do a return quick? I had a gift card. And the kid's just like, oh, that's mad work. That's mad work. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, it's real easy. Just got to return it. And some the manager came over, did it in 20 seconds. But it just goes to show you, like, the younger age, they don't want to work because yeah. they've been taught you should be getting all this stuff for free. And it's it's hurting. It's going to hurt the next generation more than they more than they know. Well, can you imagine now this is, uh, I don't know, the third or fourth year of all this stuff going on, but certainly, you know, it had begun earlier than that. So 
you figure you have 10 years of kids that have gone through uh, senior year of high school. Okay. And then of course they're on to, to colleges, which is even worse. You know, my college, I went to Brown that places the, 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 the biggest liberal bastion in the whole country, but go another 10 years. So you're going to have 20 years of kids that graduate from high school that are going to be taught that white people are bad, that, that if you're a person of color, you need an artificially engineered outcome in order to be successful that America is a bad place founded on racist principles, and you're going to lose your country. That'll fall right into their playbook, because if these kids get raised with their hand out, telling the government, gimme, 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 guess what? The government will give to them. They'll give them just what they need to scrape by and do the bare minimum in life. Meanwhile, they'll be taking all their freedoms, and we're seeing what's ha- we're seeing it happen already. I mean, we're losing freedoms and we're gaining garbage for uh, society. So absolutely right, absolutely. Um, so some of these teachers, I-, I can't get past the fact. Have you heard any good explanations from any of the teachers on any of the CRT stuff? And you got into it with the uh, Bill Gates and the origins. Um, Anything else you can speak to as far as the CRT and the teachers go? Well, um, there is a class also uh, at Westerly High School called Sophomores for Social Action. It's taught by a, 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 by a Marxist who, who hates this country. And she basically teaches these kids how to become good social justice warriors. That's that's the class. How oh, to so demonstrate. This, is like, this is a real indoctrination. This is like. Oh, absolutely. It's a class. It's a class. A, that's like an indoctrination class. camp. Wow. Yep. And I, I have the syllabus for the class and I've talked about it before. You know, again, the superintendent will say, well, we're not teaching critical race theory. Well, you're, you, may, you may not have a have a CRT 101 class, but you certainly teach uh, everything includes diversity, equity, inclusion, social justice, um, all of this stuff, restorative justice, everything that that is involved in the tenets and pillars of critical race theory are in the Odell books. And they're in this class, the uh, the sophomores for social action. And then, of course, what Judicial Watch exposed was it's uh, the the teacher bias training, which uh, is uh, was constructed by the Highlander Institute. Which, if you look those guys up, they're they're a Marxist and racist organization. This bias training teaches our teachers how to indoctrinate our kids, and it teaches them that they're nothing, they, the only reason they've achieved what they've achieved is because they're white, that they're privileged because they're white, and it 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 basically, it coerces them, it threatens them, you must teach this to our kids, or they won't have jobs. So you have teachers that are not in favor of this, most of them, 90% of them hate it, trust me, because I've talked to them, but they're afraid to, afraid to speak out because they have families to feed. Right. Now, I'm hoping that this year is different and we get some teachers coming out and talking more openly about it. But that's what they face. But we need them. We need them to step out because there's really nothing that can be done to them for exercising their First Amendment rights. There really isn't. No, I mean, they're giving Ramona a hard time right now. And I don't know what's going to happen with her. She doesn't either. But God bless her. You know, she's she's very brave and yep. she's going to take whatever they have to uh, whatever they have to give her, by the way. But she's brave and, you know, she may lose her job. I don't know. Some other people might lose their jobs if they come out. I don't Trust know. Me, but the only reason Ramona hasn't lost her job is because they know a lawsuit is coming the next day. 
and right. they know Ramona's a fighter. And that just goes to show you that these people are afraid of fighters. They're afraid of people like you. They're afraid of people like Ramona. They're afraid of us getting a voice. And it's interesting. Um, I went to get my press pass just this week, and they're not going to give it to me or in any easy way. So I've, I've tried to speak to the press secretary, the governor's office. She's blocked my phone calls, I'm pretty sure. They're not, they're, they're not trying to give my Republican media outlet a press pass because I was at the governor's um, little 2 p.m. out there in, um, in that school the other day when they did the, the press conference on the COVID. And uh, we tried to get in and they said, you don't have a press pass. And I said, OK, well, I'm I'm actively trying to get a press pass, but I can't seem to get one from this state. So it just goes to show you, like, they're not going to allow it and they're scared of it. And as soon as we get that voice, as soon as we get someone like me in there asking the governor questions, I'm going to be asking them the hard questions that no one else is asking them. Everyone's some, right. for some reason afraid to ask them or they're just so friendly with them that they don't ask them. Or, But that's what we need is we need people to uh, start fighting like Ramona. Don't be afraid. I mean, trust me. One door closes and another one opens, in my opinion. Um, if, if, if you're if if you're an American and you love this country and you love our kids, you, you it's your obligation yep. to speak up. It's it your is. obligation to save this country. You cannot be afraid of what you're going to be called. Uh, and, and and I've told you the litany of things that that I, that I've been called, and I know Ramona and Nicole and and others have been called. Um, but you can't be afraid of that. The other thing is. All conservatives are Republicans, but not all Republicans are conservatives. And that what I mean by that is just because somebody has an R after their name does not necessarily mean that they're going to fight for what we believe in. Now, they tell us they're going to when we're during the election process. But then when push comes to shove, all of a sudden they don't stand up for what they told us they were going to stand up for. To me, yep. that's worse than an AOC or yep. somebody that we know we know what they are. But we expect people with ours after their name to, to voice our opinions and to stand up for us. And when we don't, that's worse. I am absolutely fed up with our reps. If it were up to me, we would have a new party. It would be called the Freedom Party, and it would just be straight up constitutional standard freedoms, none of the nonsense. And it would be people. I, I tell people I want my elected representative living in a double wide trail trailer fighting for me. I don't want him living in a mansion and fighting against me. I want right. to start putting up people that are just your average citizen and market them that way because it's kind of, even though Trump was a billionaire, that's why he won because he was more of a normal citizen than any of these politicians. He kind of gelled with the, you know, middle America and he was saying the right message. And it, the message is these people have done you wrong for so long. Why wouldn't you vote for me? Why would you vote for anyone else? You'd be crazy to not give me a shot. But um, yes. these, uh, these representatives, these Republicans, they're, they're disgraceful. And I really hope this state goes independent or does something does something soon um on that topic with uh, our reps do you see anyone running for school board or are you guys actively trying to overturn this this stuff well yeah you know that's that's a great a great question and um you know these while we're not going to have an easy time overturning or repealing senate bill 0863 that we talked about earlier really the way to fight is to win seats on local school committees and local town councils. For example, here in Westerly, we've got a staggered term for school committee. We have 
three of them up in November. And we're trying to get good candidates to run against the, whoever the Democrats are in, uh, put up or any independents. For town council, six of the seven seats are open. So this is the time to run. So we are, as I said, actively trying to find like-minded candidates to fill those spots and get to get out there and run uh, so we can save our town. And that is how things are going to get done from the grassroots level. You're going to have people, and I have to say, neither Patricia Morgan nor Elaine Morgan represent me, okay? But they have both been tremendously helpful to me in, in my efforts. I have to say that. They have been absolutely great to me. They don't even represent me, um, but they've helped me. So I appreciate that. But the grassroots level is where this battle is going to be won. In Rhode Island, it's so lopsided and one-sided. And the, and the, the progressive left does not want to work with, they've hijacked the whole party. The, the, you know, the, oh, yeah. the, moderate, the moderate Democrats are, are under attack by their own party, as you know. Even on the national level, that's the case. Right. So I don't see much getting done at the state level, to be quite honest with you. Um, so we've got to take it back, take territory back, as Mike Stenhouse says, one inch at a time. That's what we've got to do. I really hope you're successful there, and I hope you get some good people to bring up. And um, obviously, let us know any candidates that you're putting up so we can blast their names out and get them as many votes as possible. Those little elections, people are unaware. Make people aware of those small elections, because I really think some of it is just they're not aware they're even happening you know what i mean at that small right. that local level so get people involved and get them to vote that'd be great on your side as far as representatives you said you mentioned a couple names there but um are you looking for more support is there anything that you need is there is it more just parents speaking up or what do you need in this fight well um you know i have to say we haven't gotten a whole heck of a lot of support from my senator or our representatives except for representative as an arrow who's a democrat by the way so this transcends political party, honestly. It really does. This is about our kids and our country. And I don't care what party you're a member of. You know, if you care about our kids and you care about and love our country, then we we will support you, okay? I don't care what political party you are. I happen to be a Republican. I'm a conservative, okay? But if someone is going to align there the way they think with the way I think to save our kids and our country, they got my vote, oh, okay? Absolutely. That's how I, I feel. I think you're right there. It goes back to politics because everything is so divided. There's no more political parties that, you know, oh, I'll, I'll give in to this or that. It's You're down one straight line and you're on the left or the right these days. Yeah. And it's really tough to get a politician to like a Democrat, for instance, to go against critical race theory because, like you said, they'll get attacked by that extreme wing of their party and they might risk losing their power, which is unfortunate that they're only concerned about their power and not the children. Right. Um, I think they would get a better outcome, like you said, when they stick up for the right thing, they might find a Republican voting for them or, you know, I really think people need to start voting on the issues, not the party. That is definitely the message to take away from this type of stuff is vote on the issues, not the party. Become informed. Don't vote because you hate Trump or because you hate this or that. Vote for what you stand for, not for what you hate. Um, totally. Do you think, so my next question here, do you think there's a mass exodus coming with homeschooling? I know there's a big push for people to homeschool their children to get away from this. Do you think that there's a exodus coming where people are just going to start homeschooling their kids because the fight is too tough? And do you think that would be a loss for our society at another level? I mean, my opinion, it's going to be 
a loss if our good people get pulled out of school and just say, screw it all and let them have the public school system. But what do you feel about that? Well, a couple things. I can speak to Westerly specifically that we are losing five to six kids a month and have been for a while. Um, we are down to 700 plus kids at Westerly High School. Now, I know I'm an old fart. And I wasn't. I, I graduated from Westerly High School in 1980, a long time ago. There were 1,200 kids in that school. There are 700 today, 700 plus. Now, um, they have been losing, as I said, kids five to six a, um, a month for um, probably since 2019. Okay. Is, is so that that's because a, is that because of this content? Are they leaving for homeschooling, or what's the purpose that they're leaving? It, it, well, one of the reasons is because of some parents are 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 just being proactive and pulling their kids out and ho either homeschooling them or if those some of them have the means they're sending their kids to private school but my the other side to that is most people most parents are not in that position where they can either homeschool their kids or the financial position to send their kids to a private school we have to make public education work we have to do that and whether that means blowing it up and starting over, I, I don't know. But when I introduced a resolution back in July to the Westerly School Committee, and, I, and part of that resolution included not blowing up the entire ELA, English Language Arts curriculum, but putting together a cross-section of taxpayers, parents, people from all diverse walks of life here in Westerly that would report into the school committee where we could tweak certain aspects of the curriculum rather than blow the whole thing up and hand it over to Bill Gates. Uh, and that was voted down six to nothing by our school committee. The one person that's absent would have voted in our favor, I believe, but it was she wasn't there. So it went down six to nothing. So the issue is we have to make public education work because if we don't, there aren't enough parents that are able to homeschool their kids. I know there are online programs, but the other problem is Kids lose the socialization aspect when they're homeschooled, which is so important for kids that are that age. You have to have that contact with your friends uh, in order to grow from a sociological perspective. It's not just academics that these kids learn in school. It's how to socialize, how to talk with teachers, adults, how to socialize with their friends, all of that stuff. And that is lost when, you, uh, when you're homeschooling your kids. So we have to make this this public education work. And that's why we're fighting so hard. And part of the reason to get, we'll go back again to the, the local elections to get like-minded people elected to the school committees and town councils. So more conservative or more balanced values can come into the school system and kids can learn both sides. You know, listen, we want kids to learn the, the, the true and complete history of our country, warts and all. And listen, we know that everything wasn't beautiful. It wasn't all peaches and cream when this country was being formed. All the way into the 60s and 70s, there were some ugly things that went on. But you know what? We learned from it, and we studied it, and we analyzed it, okay? If we don't continue to do that, if we just learn that, that America is was founded on racist principles— we're going to force our kids today to write the check for wrongs that were done a century or two ago. And that's just not right. It's divisive and it's not it's not historically accurate. 
looking back at history, a lot of people don't really understand this, but our forefathers looked back at history when they wrote the Constitution. There were some aspects where they looked at the Roman Empire and they looked at where other governments failed and took those policies and improved upon them. And that's somewhat where the parts of the Constitution came from is looking back at history, seeing mistakes and going about it the right way the next time you do it. And when we lose that, being able to look back at our our bad parts of history, we don't see clearly on how to move forward. You can't just tear it down and take some college professor's idea or theory, critical race theory or whatever it might be, and pave everything over. So I think it's important that on that topic, I think we do have to save the public schools. I don't think we should make an exit, make a run for the door. I think people should stay or pull out of the public school and still fight for the public school because if we lose that, like you said, we lose our sense of camaraderie, our teamwork, our uh, social skills. We lose a lot um, and our kids would probably be more damaged for it, unfortunately. And it wouldn't change anything because now they just have a full-blown indoctrination school and they would take over the country just as they planned. So, um, and, and, and P.S., Colin, we're paying for it anyway. Right. You know, our tax dollars are still going. They're still taking our tax dollars. So 58 percent of our tax dollars here in Westerly, some 56, 58 million dollars a year go to the public schools. And in and, and taking off from that point, you know, we have all these issues going on in our schools. We've got the curriculum. We've got the bias training. We've got issues with with NEASC and with RIASC. We've got the the, the WTA union president urging her members uh, to to use uh, a, uh, a a their private emails on which to talk about CRT because she because believes because of the FOIA that, requests, right? Exactly, yeah. and and she what she doesn't realize is that that we don't care about the union stuff. That can they, we don't want to read about that. But if they're talking about critical race theory and they're doing school business on their personal emails, we damn sure have a right to see what's on those emails. Wow, and we're going to see what's on those emails. Hopefully, so. In spite of all this bad stuff going on, what does our school committee do a few weeks ago? Well, they they re-up our superintendent, Mark Garso, our assistant superintendent, Alicia Story, for three more years each to the tune of, of over a million dollars of taxpayer money. So what the, that tells me is this school committee, save for Mrs. Cook, is so tone deaf and so oblivious as to what's going on and complicit in a lot of ways so this stuff that's going on that they don't care right now what we're saying, they're going to do whatever the hell they want to do. And they're going to re-up Garso and Story for another three years and a million dollars in order to allow them to do Angelica and Fonte Green's business of indoctrinating our kids, poisoning our kids and screwing our good teachers and and therefore our country. That's why we need to win local elections. Absolutely. Yeah. If there's one thing we've learned, it's that they do not care. You can go to as many school board meetings as you want, but they do not care. Um, they hate I, us. Yes. They hate us. I want to touch back when you were talking and you mentioned Bill Gates again. I mean, that name keeps coming up and I just want to go a little off topic with you and ask your opinion why does Bill Gates want to be involved in every aspect that matters to socially engineer a population? He's in vaccines. He's in schools. He's in farming and agriculture. He's in all these 
I mean, I could probably go on for days mentioning what his money is in the WHO. Um, he donates to all sorts of organizations that are seemingly going against the American people day and night. What is going on here? And how has his name been related to conspiracy theorists when the facts are more aligned with this not being any type of conspiracy at all? That Bill right. Gates is doing some sinister things. In my opinion, he's just he's an evil man. He's not a good guy. And, and I don't know what his motivations are, but I also do know that he's involved in, you know, population control experiments yeah. and stuff like that. So he'll people like that, powerful people, they create they're egomaniacal. OK, they want to have their hands in everything. They want Jeff Bezos, you Complete know, uh, George Soros, people like that. They, they have more money than, than they ever will know what to do with, uh, and they can buy power. Uh, and that is what these people crave. You know, you look at even the politicians. As soon as they, they, they get into office, a lot of them, the first thing that they do is start raising money for, to get reelected. They don't care about what the issues are. They're going to do favors for their buddy. You vote for me on this. I'll vote for you on that. But you know what? I need those contributions because I want to be here for another six years. Yeah. Or another four years or whatever. So I don't I don't know what Bill Gates's motivations are. I do know that people like him, like I said, are egomaniacal and they're rich beyond belief. And they can they they feel they can buy whatever they whatever they want to buy, whether that's power, whether that's influence, whether that's domination over you and I. I don't know. But certainly, uh, you know, there's a reason that he's buying that he's now the largest beef cattle owner in the country. There's a reason for that. What that reason is. I don't know, but he has a reason for it. Maybe we should ask him. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you can get him on. That'd be great. Let's. I got a great idea. Let's somehow get Bill Gates on a lie detector test and ask him a few questions. Could you imagine that? Man, oh, I would yeah. pay to see that. That thing would uh, blow up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, Bill, why are you in beef? <laughs> Freaking machine fries. Right yeah. Oh. The, the reason I bring that up is I sometimes wonder if we're distracted, if all these little things that are going on are a distraction to something more sinister going up at the top. And then by the time we pop our head up and look at what Bill Gates is up to, we are, you know, putting marks on our right hand and getting uh, tattoo vaccines. Like one of his technologies is the uh, tattoo vaccine, which is similar to like, you know, what the Christians believe in revelations and Mark of the beast and things like that. Mm -hmm. People think these are all theories, but it's actually things he's, actively working on so i sometimes wonder if some of these little fights are distractions and um i think we i watched the documentary the other night colin called the last days uh, and it, it it is a documentary about the hungarian jews near the end of world war ii and there were this was it was made in 1989 and they profiled five people that were holocaust survivors all from auschwitz and to a person they said if we watched them take away one one privilege, one right, little bit here, little bit there, and before you knew it, to your point, they had tattoos on their arms and stars on their on their pajamas, you know, wow. on their uniforms. She said, "This lady and, and um, they're all passed away now because, like I said, it was made in 1989. But if we allow them to take away seemingly a small thing, making you wear a mask, making you wear a mask." Okay, which we know they don't work. That's a story for another day. Yeah. But just little things. You can't go here. You can't go there without identification or without papers or whatever. You'll wake up one day. We're going to wake up and we're not going to have any rights left. 
This is what this lady said. And it came true uh, in in an awful way uh, at the end of, uh, well, all throughout World War II, obviously. But to these Hungarian Jews, um, it was was a a very, very troubling documentary to watch. I would encourage you to watch it. Where can we get that? Where'd you watch that? Is that online? Oh, I knew you were going to ask me that. I think it was on Netflix, but if you... it's on my wife the has last, every channel under the sun. So yeah, it, we'll uh, we'll look it up. Better. The last days. I'm definitely going to check yes. that out. That's it, it was uh, it was so powerful, wow. so powerful. Um, but it points to the fact that you know you can't give up, can't give up your rights because if you give one up today, they're taking two tomorrow and three yeah. the next day. Do you uh, do you think Christians are on some sort of pre-trial, you know, persecution? Uh, well, I mean, certainly, you know. I feel I feel Christians are under attack. God is under attack. Right. You know, I, I mean, I, I think <laughs> I think this is a precursor. This is a you know, this is like the, just a clip of what's to come. People think it's bad, but I really think this is nothing compared to what we're going to see. Just like you spoke about that documentary. I think we're seeing just a hint, just a test. They're testing us to see. And, and by the way, if this is the test, they could come in tomorrow and take over this world with the way people are reacting. We've got a few people, me, you, some people out there, but you don't have enough people that want to, that are willing to fight. You really don't. Right. It's unfortunate. Yeah, I agree. We, it, it is imperative that people not worry, as I said earlier, if they're going to be in the cool parents group anymore. Yeah. Um, don't or, be reactive, no, be proactive. This is, this is our country. These yeah. are our kids. You know, this is this is uh, these are our lives that we're talking about here. I say all the time we are in the fight for our lives and of our lives, both yeah. at the same time. I mean, and, and and I don't think that's overstating the issue here at all. Nope. Um, we are we are in deep trouble here. Um, but I will say this. We as as Americans can can defeat these people. We can do it. Losing to them to me is not an option. We need you at school committee meetings. We need you to run for office. We need you to write letters. Okay. Uh, we need you to protest where legally and 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 where applicable. But people have to educate themselves. This brings me to my next question. You mentioned all the peaceful ways you can do things: writing letters, doing this and that. In your opinion, when do you see a, a true uprising? I mean, we saw some BLM riots, and we've seen people light the streets on fire. I always tell people that are opposing me or have opposing beliefs. I tell them, I say, you're lucky I'm grounded and I'm not unhinged. Because if I was an unhinged individual and you were pulling this stuff with my kids, there would be some bad outcomes happening. And I really believe there are some people out there that are maybe have the same opinions as you and I, but they're a little more unhinged. And I've run into some of those people at some of these rallies and they're a little crazy. And I tell them, I say, you know, you're pushing people to an extreme level. When do you see this turning... I hate to say it, but turning violent where people are going to say, okay, I've done everything I can to be represented. You're taking my freedoms away. You're indoctrinating my children. You're forcing me to get a vaccine or I have to be unemployed with no food, no health care for my family. Do you think there's going to be a a tipping point? I do. Where that comes, I don't know. But to me, you know, the, the immigration policy or lack of one in our country right now with the open borders where you're seeing, and I, I call them illegal immigrants, that's that's what they are. They're yep. breaking the law. The Biden administration um, has made every state a border state now. I just saw a report today that 
that there was twice as much fentanyl coming through the border as as um, heroin in in 2021. Twice as much, something like uh, eleven thousand pounds or something. Like Another four, thing that three, stems back to China. China, uh, China. Right, exactly. They make you know, it all. So yeah. So the, I think the tipping point will be. When illegal immigrants start, um, I don't want to say start displacing legal Americans in 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 jobs and when votes, they, and, and, and votes. right, and, and they're allowed to vote. I, I think that will be that will be because um, it's very tangible to people. You know, a pocketbook, feeding your family, those things are more tangible than say maybe a, a tenant or a pillar of critical race theory being taught in school. Though it's this is though that's just as bad. People understand being hit in their pocketbooks more than they do anything else. So I don't want to see anything happen violently, of course. But that said, this is our country. Hey, speak and- for yourself. <laughs> no, just we we have to take back our country. And we will do it with any legal means necessary. We will vote. But if the voting if the voting is is corrupt, uh, then then that's a problem, as, yeah. as, as some of us believe uh, it already is. Um, oh, they've rigged so, it. They've rigged it. They've rigged yeah. every le- lever against Republicans. But we'll and, and they take advantage, honestly, of the fact that we are we are conservatives. We are fact based people for the most part. We debate issues. We're um, not unhinged. We're not unhinged. We, right. For the most we, part, we're not. we're not unhinged. They know we're law abiding. So they know that we're, we're stuck. We're stuck and chained down to the laws right. while they break all the laws. Yes, they, that's exactly right. I mean, that's why you saw all of the the riots in our cities uh, two summers ago, and firebombing police buildings and federal buildings and stuff. And that that point right there actually leads into my next question: Do you see the police ever backing the citizens, the good people, the taxpayers, the workers like you and I? Do you see police departments that are more maybe? on the right side of history ever turning around, turning their guns the other way to the federal government and saying enough's enough. Are they our protectors or are they going to be another lever, another arm of the government to suppress us? Wow. In my opinion, okay, my father was a police officer for 30 years, retired in 1988. He's now deceased. So I've always had a great respect and admiration for our police. And I believe- as do I and most people on our side. And that's why it's so disheartening to see, like, when we go to a protest, the police, you know, kicking us out and doing all these things. Are that you think, do you see, go on, do you, what do you see happening there? I, I, and I, I can only go by what, what I think. Okay. So this has no facts behind it or whatever, but I really believe that the majority of our police agree with our point of view. Okay, number one, they agree with what we're doing. They love this country. They wouldn't put their lives on the line every day if they didn't love this country and want to preserve law and order. Secondly, I believe when push if push came to shove, which it very well might, that they would have our backs. I really believe that. Well, we'd have theirs too. That's that's hopeful. That, and that's just me. You yeah. know, that's hopeful. I, I like. I have to believe that. I, I I'm on the same page with you, but it's so hard for me to see what goes on in Australia with their police. And I just know the games they play and they basically say, okay, we'll fire you. We'll get rid of all of you. You know, that's, they always have something over someone to make them do something right. that's might be wrong or illegal or 
Um, it's just I, I just I guess find the only so difference funny. is that they're not Americans. You know, they're, they're Americans are are different, man. They're yeah. we're different. You know, there's a there's a point wherever that point is. Well, we saw it back in the, in, in the mid 1700s. There was a point they, you know, the, the Stamp Act. That was the, that was the tipping point. Okay, now here, whatever that tipping point is, I don't know what it's going to be, but you can only push Americans so far before they say. Enough and, is enough. We're taking our country back. Yep. And I think you hinted towards that. And I say that I, I say the same thing to people. These people aren't Americans. You can be born here, but you might not be an American because until you understand what it is to be an American and what you fight for and what this country was based on and the promises made to every single person, no matter what the color, race, whatever. If you don't believe in that stuff, you're not an American. You could have been born here. And but if I'm sorry, in my opinion, if you don't believe in that stuff, you are anti-American, just like some of these people, as you've said, really are. Right. They have and, and conversely, too, you have people that immigrate here that embrace all oh, yeah. that America is, yep. um, and are every bit as American as you or love I. They country. love this country. Love it. They love it. Our ancestors came from mine. Came from Italy. They love this country. So th- to me. They're more American than some of the people that are that were born here and are and are sitting on their couches watching this like it's a movie. Yeah. You know, they're yeah. willing to go out there and fight for this country because they love it. I, I work for a railroad. I've worked for the railroad for 15 years um, and so diverse, so amazing to work with people from all around the world. You know, people from Lebanon, people from Africa, Mexico, all immigrate. All over here, they become citizens, and those are some of the best, hardest workers, people that love this country the most. And I, I love them more than some of the people that are to my left and right that I was raised with because I, you got these people that sit on the couch, do nothing. They wouldn't fight for the country. And then you got people like right. them that they know what real tyranny is, what real um, real hardships there are out there. And they come here. Absolutely. And it's amazing. Um, so to end the interview, interview, do you have anything else that we didn't touch on? Uh, that you'd like to get out there to the people? Well, I, I, I'll be speaking uh, to the school committee. I, I'm going to go to the meeting on Wednesday. I'm, sure, I'm not sure if I'm going to speak or not, but there's a couple of issues that are outstanding. One of them is Ask Commissioner Tim Duffy, who basically doubled down back in October on the National School Board Association letter, and you're familiar with this, I know, that urged the Justice Department to look into parents who, uh, like me and others, who speak at school board meetings and fight for their kids and other people's kids, uh, and and they wanted us to be labeled as domestic terrorists. Well, Tim Duffy uh, has not walked back that comment because I came into into possession of the email that he sent to all of the uh, board of directors, uh, Ryas board of directors, who happen to be school committee chairs in Rhode Island. I did a radio show with uh, with him. And he was more concerned about how I got my hands on the email uh, than he was about sticking up for our kids and our parents. So that's what he's all about. He's yet to walk that back. So we want him to resign from RIASC. We want our school committee chair to resign her board of directors position on RIASC. We want Westerly to stop paying dues to RIASC as well. So we're going to, we've already brought that up once. We'll bring it up again. We want to see, uh, see where it's at. And we also have APRA requests out that Judicial Watch sent to all of these people who got Duffy's email 
We want to know when they spoke to Rye Ask, what they talked about since the October 4th letter from the NSBA came out. So we're going to get all that information. And it's Great. and I'm going to make it all public. So these people are clearly colluding and against uh, against parents who are showing up at school committee meetings, sticking up for their kids. That's a problem. Uh, that's a yeah. First Amendment problem. And we're just not going to allow it. So that's one thing we're going to talk about. The other thing we're doing is we're uh, we're following, as I said earlier, the processes put in place in order to get a book, uh, this particular book, Gender Queer, uh, labeled as a uh, as a pornographic book, uh, and get it removed from the Westerly uh, High School Library. And we're going to try to do that on a state level because we do not feel that that belongs in a high school taxpayer funded library. So those are two things that we're working on. There are other things too. Uh, that'll come up that we you don't have time to talk about today, but well, uh, maybe another time we will. Keep us posted on any um, events because I like to show up to these things. I've been showing up to all sorts of things. And um, let me know personally because I will show up and I'm a loud guy, so I'm not afraid to uh, <laughs> to strike some fear into some of these people because that's what Great. they need. They need to be yelled at. They need to be. They do. Yeah. And we all need to support each other because you know what? We're all in this fight together. We're all uh, we're all pro kid. We're all pro country. We love our yep. good teachers too. There's plenty of them out there that are good. All these um, they're Facebook, just afraid. All these Facebook groups that we're in. You mentioned one earlier. Um, that's part of what I'm doing is trying to get them all under one umbrella. So I'd like to see a united Rhode Island conservative voice. It's very important because these separated groups, they're not going to do it. The 20 people showing right. up to one meeting, not going to do it. We need right. 100 people showing up and we need it to be on the news and we need it to be front and center for us to go anywhere, I think. Yes. Well, I know, you know, between my group and several others out there, we've got probably close to 3,000 people in five or six groups yep. um, that are people are, that are very active and very passionate about our kids. And, you know, Ramona... Uh, and I talk all the time, and 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 Nicole, we talk to, and there's other people. Lori Gaddis is another one. Let's Lori get them, Barrett, let's rather. get them together. I, I really mean it. I mean, let's it, whether it's everyone throwing twenty dollars in a pot and meeting at a hall. I mean, let's right. get people together, get them in a room, come up with a plan, and really start right. to fight this thing. Yeah, we've got a girl at Charaho, also a Polly, that's doing a great job. So there's really, and and they just started a group in Warwick. Uh, so there's groups all over the state, but I see your point. And we all know each other, too. Right. And we all bounce things. There's an NK group that's very strong as well. Yeah. Um, so we all help each other out, and we'll continue to do that. But it would be great that, you know, we that if we could ever all get together as one group, and 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 kind of put together a strategy where we can where yep. we can all work together in a more cohesive manner. That'd be great. That'd be great. All right, Bob. Well, thanks for your time. We'll uh, we'll. My pleasure, soon. Colin. Thanks for giving me the opportunity to get our word out about Westerly. And if I could, it's Westerly Residents Against Indoctrination. That's the name of my Facebook group. Send the uh, mess the group to me, and I'll and I'll send it out to our people. We'll do. Mm-hmm.